You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, Chris Wells, one and all. I can't tell you how perfect that prayer was, the whole the scripture that was shared. Everything was perfect for the message today. I always love to see someone else's children being up front and worrying about what might happen. You never know what's going to happen, right? So it is wonderful to be together this morning, and that alone is enough for joy. But if that's not it, it's Christmas! So apparently you're realizing that it's Christmas 2020. (laughs) I think we can all agree that 2020 is the worst year in history. Unless you lived at almost any other time of history. And for you Babylon Bee fans, that's good. I said that in the first service, but I didn't acknowledge it. And he said, you got that from Babylon Bee. And that is true. It's, It's true. History is replete with really difficult times. But even so, these are difficult days. They're difficult days for a lot of us, especially the younger you are. The less you know about history, the more difficult the days are. Is there a cause then for rejoicing in such a year as this? Let me answer one question with another cancel a question. Cancel, candle, I saw it on there. It all Somehow the mind is... It's at that age, I think it is. Do you belong to Jesus? If you belong to Jesus, then this Advent candle of joy burns brightly in your heart whenever your heart is inclined toward Jesus. If we sense a distinct lack of joy this year, then maybe we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. That's another steal country song. We like routine. And even though sometimes we like to vary the routine a little bit, we want to be in control. Why? Because we deserve to be in control of our lives, right? That's what we're told all the time. But no, we do not deserve the blessings that are ours. And only as we focus on the ultimate source of our blessings can we experience true joy. Last week, when we thought about peace, uh, the word reminded us that we cannot know peace until we first acknowledge our sinful condition that separates from God, uh, us from God and how desperate that condition is unless he intervenes. We are in big trouble with God because of our sins, and we can't do anything to make things right. Look, when you get in trouble with your parents, when you get in trouble with your boss, you get in trouble with your neighbors, you, unless you really just want to play this thing out and, and see what real trouble is, you're trying to soften it, mitigate it, saying, look, look, let's, let's just find a way that we can get along. We can't do that with God. Unless he takes the initiative, we're in that kind of trouble. This Advent season, though, reminds us that he did the best thing that could possibly have been done for us when the Father sent Jesus, who was 100% God, 100% man, and Jesus absorbed 
the Father's wrath against our sins through the blood of his cross. And when we ask God to forgive our sins because of Jesus, then we have peace with God. When we believe, though, we commit everything to the Lord. Heart, mind, body, soul, everything belongs to the Lord now. If you were saved later in life, like I was at 18, I realized what I was getting into. Um, I, for about a year, I experienced what C.S. Lewis said about himself as the most reluctant convert because he knew what he was going to have to give up in order to trust in Christ and to follow him. I didn't want to give it up, but the instant I did, there was such joy in my soul. <laughs> but I also realized that I was following him with all my heart. If you grew up as a, in, a, in a Christian home and you've always, a lot of people say, I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't a Christian. And I didn't used to have a category for that. I understand now if you have told about Christ and you believed all the way along, I get that. There is a point in time when each of us comes to Christ, but it may be difficult to point back and say, this is the time when it happened for me. And if you grew up in a Christian home and you can't ever remember not believing that Jesus died for your sins and being his, surely there comes a time when each of us says, Lord, <clears throat> everything that I am, all that I am, who I am belongs to you. And when we commit like that afterwards, <clears throat> there is peace in our hearts and joy in our souls Every single day. Right? Is that the way it works? Uh, no. But, once again, thankfully, the Advent season reminds us that our blessings come from above, not from without, not from within. We can make those other places work for us, but they don't last. Excuse me, not a good day to be coughing. The staff will tell you that happens every day. Last week, Psalm 85 was our primary text. And we heard also from the little known minor prophet Amos. This morning, we're going to hear, you can rest easy, a much more well-known prophet, Zephaniah. Who is going to point us to joy, reminding us that like peace, true joy... <clears throat> originates with the Lord. Zephaniah is the fourth to the last book in the Old Testament. So you can turn that, I mean, in the Old Testament. Uh, it's, it, go to Matthew and go back four books and you'll be at Zephaniah. And even though there'll be scripture on the screen, it's always great when you can follow along in your Bible. <clears throat> now, if you would normally be in children's church right now <clears throat> and not be here for the sermon... I need to warn you, this week is going to be a little bit more difficult than last week to follow along because some of the things that we're going to read and hear are challenging, but they're also really interesting things. So I want to encourage you to write down any words or any ideas that you don't understand and then do not let your parents go to sleep until they've explained them perfectly to you. So, Andrew, don't let... Your mom and dad go to sleep until 
Uh, they've explained everything, the entire Bible to you, if that's what you want to know. Uh, maybe this is a better suggestion. Take notes or draw pictures about what you learned in, ser- in the sermon this morning and have your parents take a picture and then send it to me. I, I got some great pictures from the first service and there's some really cool things that come along. Well, they're kind of scary things, but cool things all at the same time that we're going to hear about. I'd love to see how the Lord is helping you to understand the Bible. And that's important because the Bible is the main way that God speaks to us. Sometimes joy can be difficult to understand. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, the Apostle Paul said that he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Can you be sad and have joy at the same time? Yes, you can. Don't forget to send me the notes or pictures uh, that you draw in the service this morning. And make sure you let me know who is doing the sending uh, and who, do the draw, draw, uh, who did the drawing. And, and, and your parents can send that to me then. Our initial reading this morning comes from Zephaniah chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. And as is our custom, I'll ask you if you would to stand for the reading of God's word. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, Yahweh, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let uh, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. What a beautiful word. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you and be seated. One of the main themes in the book of Zephaniah is the day of the Lord. In fact, some people say that even though Zephaniah is a minor prophet, just three chapters He writes like a major prophet. He's pronouncing judgment every which way from the Lord. And when the the term the day of the Lord is spoken, what comes to your mind? Is it a day of salvation or a day of judgment? Although it is both, it is first and foremost a day of judgment. When the prophet spoke of the day of the Lord... They used it for a near-term judgment. In other words, judgment is going to come on the land soon. Or they also used it in reference to a far-off judgment day when the Lord would come in splendor to destroy his enemies and deliver his people. Amos, we talked about a little bit last week, foresaw that the day of the Lord's judgment would come against the northern kingdom of Israel At the hand of Assyria. 
Now, when Amos was written, I didn't say this last week, but I was thinking about it before and all week this past week. When Amos was written, um, you had a situation where the northern kingdom of Israel, they, they were under a, a, a king called Jeroboam. He was Jeroboam II. And they were riding high. Prosperity, it was at their best point ever. And Assyria, who had been a really big bully on the block, had sort of gone down. And Amos comes up from Judah and he says, very soon the day of the Lord is going to come upon you and judgment will fall. And they were like, hey, farmer boy, go back down to Judah and prophesy down there. Don't be running your mouth up here. That's bad stuff that you're talking about. And Amos said, you mark my words, it's going to happen. You know how long it took? 20 years. 20 years later, everything Amos had prophesied had come true. And Israel was taken away. They were forced to intermarry with other nations. That's where the Samaritans came from. And so it was no longer a nation after that. So Amos saw... The Lord's judgment is going to come soon. Jeremiah looked around as Israel or as Judah was being destroyed, Jerusalem, in, in Lamentations 2.2, I think it is. And he, he saw that as the day of the Lord. Isaiah saw the fall of Babylon as the day of the Lord. And what makes Zephaniah's understanding so interesting is that he sees the day of the Lord in much more universal Terms when both the enemies of God's people and unbelieving Israelites are, are to be judged. But also when salvation will be extended to the humble. All the humble who delight in Yahweh no matter their nationality. So this great day of the Lord is yet to come that Zephaniah speaks of. This book, Zephaniah, we're reading mostly really Encouraging verses, but I can tell you Zephaniah is a dark, dark prophecy. Which makes the burst of joyful light at the end of the book that we just read about so brilliant. So perhaps there is something to be learned about joy in a day such as ours. From the structure of the Lord's prophecy in Zephaniah. You've no doubt heard That the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is dependent upon circumstances. And joy is based on our relationship with Jesus. Truth! Yes! That's right! But that's a hard thing to get together in your head. You know, to make it work in your head. When life is just beating you up. Is it possible to have joy? I mean, we may try to put on this little show and, yes, I'm joyful. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Well, how does that happen? Material blessings and good times appear to have the pleasure of God attached to them. So when things go badly, what's up with that? The prosperity gospel may affect us much more than we know. Therefore... A quiz. Since you've missed school this year, let's, let's have this quiz. Do hard times cause you to A, turn to God for help, B, sit in bewilderment, 
You know what bewilderment means? Just confusion. Just like, what? I can't believe this. C, doubt God's love for you. Or D, doubt your relationship with God. Probably, most of us would say hard times, they've caused all of those things. I mean, there are times where we just can't make sense of anything going on. Sometimes we think, God, really? Really? How can you love me? And other times we think, man, I must have really messed up for this to happen to me. And so maybe I'm being judged. Maybe God, maybe I'm not right with God. The proper response, of course, is A. And if you believe the gospel, you know that A is the right answer every single time. But A is an unfinished answer that's going to find completion in the New Testament. We're going to get to that later, and I'm not going to reference back, so be watching for it. It's much more complete in the New Testament than just saying, Lord, I can turn to you for help when times are hard. Too often, we choose B, C, and D because hard times and rejoicing just seem to be mutually exclusive. At least in our hearts. Intellectually, maybe, but here, a lot tougher. In Zephaniah 1.7, the prophet calls for a holy hush. As the Lord begins to reveal his plans and purposes for judgment against sin. Be silent before the Lord God. For the day of the Lord, Yahweh, is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guest. There is judgment just before and just, just after. Zephaniah 1.7. It would be good to read this entire book. And you're going to see a lot more of the judgment than we're thinking about this morning. But since judgment is all around and the Lord calls us to be silent. This would be a good time to just be silent before the Lord. Let his word wash over you for just a moment. Does Zephaniah 1.7 remind you of anything in the New Testament? <laughs> the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guest. Some scholars see, rightly I think, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross so that we might be made holy. Sin was judged at Calvary and whether we believe in Jesus or not, will determine if we live eternally with Jesus or if we will be judged for our sins throughout eternity apart from Jesus. With his sacrifice, Jesus has not only consecrated his guests, but he has brought all who believe into God's family. How serious is God about judging sin? His righteousness requires him to judge sin. But there are many who doubt that their sin will ever be judged. Because, hey, I've been getting away with it for a long time. 
Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. If your parents tell you not to do something and you get away with it four times, you're never going to do the fifth time, right? Well, probably you are. And six and seven and eight. As long as you get away with it. Well, as long as we think there are no consequences for my sin, just keep on going. But judgment will come. And when it does... It often comes suddenly and with great force. The blessing, oh, the blessing of Jesus taking God's wrath against, upon himself against our sin. In the last chapter of Zephaniah, chapter 3, in the first five verses, God has been declaring judgment on the nations around them, and now he declares judgment on Judah. And he begins to shift in verse 8 to a proclamation of judgment upon the entire world. So we're told this, in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth will be consumed. Now the Lord carries a righteous jealousy that longs for justice. It's not the petty jealousies that we have. Like he's got more than I have. What? It, what? I don't understand this. At Jesus' second advent, when he comes, Revelation 19, 11 to 16 tells us, and this is, a, this is one of those really cool things that you can draw if you want to. He will come, his eyes will be like a flame of fire, and out of his mouth will come a sword which will cut down the nations in judgment. In the same way we were reminded last week that when God speaks peace, he creates peace. Whenever God speaks something, he creates it. When he speaks judgment, it occurs in exactly the way that he says. His eyes are like fire. His mouth carries a sword. But when Jesus returns... We know that the people of Israel will turn to the Lord and receive the Messiah that God has sent to them. And God will do, do also a great thing among the nations, which is where Zephaniah 3.9 makes another dramatic statement. At Jesus' second advent, not only will Israel be saved, but all who believe all who believe in Jesus will be brought into the eternal kingdom of God in all its fullness when Jesus rules. The earth having been cleansed by fire and made new. Now think about this. The earth is going to be cleansed by fire just as it was cleansed with a flood in Noah's time. But now it will be cleansed with fire. I don't think the new heavens and the new earth is throw the old out, bring new in. It's cleansing of what God made and said it was good. It was good. It was very good. This cleansing by fire prepares the earth for Jesus' rule in the kingdom of God on earth. And here's, really, here's a really cool thing too. When he says, at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, it's a reversal of the Tower of Babel. 
The Tower of Babel, people wanted to be, become like God and God confused their languages so that they, they couldn't have these deeds that would end up being evil or these plans and purposes that would be evil. But now all plans and all purposes are good. And so he purifies their speech at the end of time. Who will be in God's kingdom? Those who are humble enough to confess their sins and to seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Or as we now know, those who will seek refuge in the cross of Jesus. And while you may think, I, I don't like all of this talk of fire and judgment and death. If it's going to occur, hadn't we best be prepared? Shouldn't we prepare for that day? When you are on the right side of the gospel, at the end of your life, when Jesus comes a second time, you will be rejoicing and you will rejoice with all your heart. Furthermore, the Lord will be rejoicing over you. When you were born, your parents were rejoicing over you. They were singing and dancing. Well, it took a little longer for your mom to start dancing than your dad. But they were happy that you had been. Think about God singing over us this way. Is there any better evidence of God's love for us and his delight in us than Jesus? Whoever receives Jesus by faith is blessed and there is rejoicing. Jesus' first advent was filled with joy. From the announcement to Mary's pregnancy to Jesus' birth, here's just a sampling. In Luke 1.44, Elizabeth said when Mary walked into the, to the house, she's pregnant with John the Baptist, Mary is pregnant with Jesus. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Luke 1 46 to 47, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Luke 1.68, Zechariah the priest who had been mute because he questioned God. Now his lips are loosed, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, an angel of the Lord said this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do, do you sense in these verses not only our rejoicing, but the Lord rejoicing? Over his people. Why such joy over Jesus' birth? Because the Lord God is forevermore in our midst. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. When we remember the first advent of Jesus, we celebrate with joy. As we anticipate Jesus' advent, we celebrate with joy. When we find ourselves in tough times, we sulk and brood. No, wait, that's not what we're supposed to do. We rejoice. James 1, 2 to 4, 
Romans 5, 1 to 5, command us to rejoice in trials, knowing that God is conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus. Now, think about it. This is maybe, it's not stepping too far. It's just seeing it in the ways that God sees it. When Jesus came to earth, I said his presence is forevermore in the midst of, of his people. He's going back to heaven, so how is his presence? It's in us. We are carrying on the work of Jesus, the work of his church. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as we share Jesus with others, he is magnified and his numbers, the numbers grow that will be brought into the kingdom with rejoicing. The angels rejoice whenever one repents, whenever one is saved. The angels give thanks to the Lord for his redemption of man. Since Jesus is the primary cause and focus of our joy, we have more than enough reason to be joyful, don't we? No matter how difficult the times, the judgment that I deserve has fallen on Jesus, who in love and for the joy that was set before him, willingly endured the cross, taking the shame and punishment that I deserved upon myself. Hallelujah. Or upon himself. When Jesus comes again, he will come as king over all creation. And we will praise him for his sacrifice and his power and his holiness and his glory. Since we now believe by faith that the rejoicing need not wait until he comes back. His return is near. So let us make ready our hearts with rejoicing. And once again, Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, in our difficult days, in our troubled hearts, in our confusion, speak peace to us as you rejoice over us. May the joy well up in our hearts and to praise you with unhindered, unfettered, unending praise. Lord, we're grateful for everything you have done for us. And when we say, especially for Jesus, we don't say it lightly. We recognize the great gift of love 
that has been given to us in him. And so now, encourage our hearts, direct our hearts and our praise to you. In all things, may we give thanks and trust in the one who loved us so much and has given everything in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.